<sighs> Life's hard. Let's talk about it over some tea. Welcome to Tea and Transitions, where we serve up stories on the dynamic lives of women of color as they navigate through life's cold, lukewarm, and steamy moments. I'm Vina Vo, a planner, facilitator, and today your personal tea snob. And I'm Odelia, a writer and educator trying to not spill too much tea. So grab your favorite cup or mug and let's get right into some TNT. Hi, Vina. I'm really excited. Really excited about today's episode, especially about the green tea we'll be sipping on. Uh, But first, I just wanted to introduce everyone to our topic today, which is Avatar The Last Airbender, which people might be wondering, okay, you had an episode on touch. Why Avatar The Last Airbender? (laughs) Yeah, and... um... I'm so glad we're doing it because it's a show that has brought me so much joy um, over this time. And, you know, it was so popular on Netflix. It was like considered one of the most viewed um, series that was out there. Everyone was talking about it. People who had grown up with the series, uh, people like me who were just introduced to it and became a whole new fan base. So, yeah, I, I really I'm glad that we chose this theme because we got some really amazing stories that were submitted because people really resonated um, with this theme. And I I think part of it for me personally, it really served as a form of escapism, like just kind of traveling into this, you know, unknown world that was so beautifully built and imagined with a cast of characters that I really fell in love with and cared for. And it was a show that gave me a lot of strength in times where I felt like I needed to um, to have a little hope, uh, you know, just when I think about Aang and how he had to sort of, <laughs> he had the fate of the world in his hands and had to muster through the strength and courage to get through it. It really helped me kind of find my own strength and energy to just get through my day. Um, but yeah, that's like, you know, kind of the reasons why I was so excited about this theme, but yeah, what kind of stood out for you and what made you excited about it? Yeah, when we first decided to do this episode, I just started talking to a lot of other Black people in my life about what watching Avatar The Last Airbender has meant to them, including my brothers, who I watched it with, and some other people. And it's, it's really incredible just to think about like the impact that just uh, like a cartoon, a show can have on people. And everyone talked about the same thing, just the beauty of the character arcs and the storytelling and how it was relatable, but it was funny. It was heartbreaking. Like you felt all of these things that we don't often feel from, you know, singular shows. And one thing my friend John said that stuck out for me is the journey each of the characters had to go on to really grow as someone in this world that is plagued by war uh, and terror and these terrible things. Like, how do you grow in a world like that uh, and all those pressures to still be the person that you want to be that is pushing for goodness, that's pushing for a different type of world? And when he said that, it just made me think about our lives now in this world and just, you know, especially as being a Black woman and these singular stories that are being told about me. Like, how do I face that racism, uh, that oppression in this world, and still stay true to growing to be this change maker that I desire to be in the work that I do. 
Yeah, and what I find so interesting about this show is that, you know, it's TV, like Y7, so meant for um, people seven and up. And I I knew about the show as a child because I had ki- like cousins and brothers that watched it. But some of the themes that I watch now as an adult, it's just really deep and really compelling. And I'm just really amazed at um, how the themes that can come out of it are super insightful, really. And like you mentioned talking about like war. And when I watched this, I thought so much about imperialism and colonialism and nationalism. And I just feel like we're seeing a lot of that nowadays as well. So the U.S. is like, you know, pretty much the fire nation when I think about it. I wonder if the, the creators, when they put this in order, they were thinking how um, just Western civilization in general has so many of the same fire nation principles. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, all of that. I, I almost feel like it's more relevant watching now than when I did several years yeah. ago, just, or maybe I just know more now and I look back on it and, you know, I, I watch it now and I'm just able to watch it with the new lens of all the things that have happened in the last, you know, five, six, seven years of life which is too much, too much. <laughs> yeah. You know, the crazy thing is like, it's like you said, you know, there's, um, there's, there were moments where it was really funny too. And I just loved how the show was so balanced in that way, where it touched on some really dark and um, dark and like painful times around like death and, and loss and erasure. Um, but then there were just moments where they were just kids being kids, having fun, like flying on their, you know, flying bison, um, being, being menaces to the cabbage man, that poor cabbage man. I still think about him. Um, you know, it's like, so I guess I love that balance and it's, I, I find it so interesting that in the end they were still able to find joy and find happiness, even in a world that seems so plagued with um, war, with um, hardship, with poverty. And so when you were talking about, you know, you kind of grappling with trying to be this change maker you want to be, but dealing with this whole backdrop of, I guess, our society, um, where do you, you know, find the joys and pleasure to keep you going and keep you motivated and hopeful? That's a great question. One of my favorite quotes is if there's going to be joy and laughter after the revolution, then there needs to be joy and laughter before the revolution too. And I love having that big, you know, deep belly laugh. And um, so I've been finding a lot of joy and just scrolling through TikTok. So one of the things I do is I curate a set of my favorite TikToks of the day and I curate them for my Instagram. And it's been really great just hearing people who like write me and say like, I look forward to your TikTok curations. It's what I look forward to before I go to bed so I can end the day with like a good laugh. And just knowing that I'm giving that laughter um, and that time to myself and providing it for other people is just like, you know, chef's kiss. Yeah. And you know, there's like, uh, speaking of TikTok, like Gen Z makes fun of millennials for posting TikToks on Instagram. <laughs> Look, if people want to see the the TikToks on Instagram too, I'm going to make it happen for the people. Yeah, yeah, for the people. Sure, for sure. Yeah, TikTok's been such a fun source of joy. Um, do you know like what TikTok you've fallen under? Like I'm in I'm in BTS TikTok and uh, what else am I in? BTS TikTok and um, like older people, like older people dancing, like elder the elderly dancing. Um, and I'm in... 
I don't know how I fell into this, but I fell into a sugar baby TikTok. I also found the sugar <laughs> baby TikTok the other day. There any sugar daddies out there or sugar mamas out there looking for a sugar baby? I guess you know maybe I fall into that, or maybe or maybe we're the sugar mamas. Yeah, maybe it's us. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're digressing here. Um, I'll bring us back in with our game related to Avatar: The Last Airbender, and I'm going to give you a topic, and you're going to let me know if you are feeling cold, lukewarm, or steamy on the topic that I bring up and definitely welcome any commentary that comes with it. All right, let's go for it. But for the record, I'm feeling very warm. It's been really nice weather. Good to know that you're coming into this from a warm space. All right. The first one is Zuko as a significant other. You know, I'm feeling lukewarm about it. I'm not going to go cold because like, Zuko had that arc. You know, I, I need to be here for change. I want people to leave room for me to change or grow as a person. And the best part about Zuko's arc is like that you could be this, you know, you can still be a hero despite your past. And it's uh, not like because of it, not like despite it. Like there's still something for you to do, even if you have come through these other terrible things you've done. So I'm going to go lukewarm because I feel like I would learn a lot from someone who's gone through that journey. Yeah. Some good insights, some good insights. Oh, it's so hard. Like, I, oh, I'm definitely, okay, I'm, I'm debating between lukewarm and steamy. Yeah, I mean, Ooh, okay, steamy. Zuko is like, you know, kind of top 10 cartoon character crush. You know, he got, he got the look on, except, okay, I didn't, I liked, I liked like, um, Zuko when he had like the long hair, it was kind of going through his like teenage angst. You know, and then I remember the episode where he was like training Aang and, you know, you got to see a little bit of his like teenage muscles. This is starting to sound a little creepy because I'm a 30 year old woman, but <laughs> anyway, I'll, I would say, okay. So I think like if he was a significant other for a short period of time, definitely steamy. Um, but I don't think he'd be like a long-term significant other for me just because he's so like broody and, and quiet and, I guess I don't mind that so much, but I think I need someone with a little bit more like pep and energy um, and a little less darkness. But in a in a short term, significant other, I could really be down with that. Very steamy on that. Um, all right, next one. So I don't know if you knew this. And I don't know if it's still going to continue because the creators pulled out, but they're actually remaking Avatar The Last Airbender on Netflix. So it'll be like a Netflix production. It'll be live. Um, and yeah, they're doing like a series, I think. So what do you think on that? Yeah, no, I'm a cold on them remaking it because like the one that we have right now, uh, I'm assuming you meant that they're remaking the whole thing and not just hosting it on Netflix the way that. Yeah, I think they're remaking it until like a live, um, like a live adaptation of, of it to kind of make up for the catastrophe that was the M. Night Shyamalan movie. Okay, yeah, that's an ice bath for me, not even cold. Um, yes, it, it ages well. Like, just let another generation, like, enjoy this one. It's 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 well done. Yeah, I would agree with that, too. I'm definitely a cold on this, especially since the creators pulled out. I mean, at first I was like, okay, if the creators are on board, the original creators are on board, then, you know, nobody cares about the series more than they do. So they must, like, you know, 
may stand behind this, but when I found out that they pulled out, I was like, oh yeah, no. And what's actually really cool is like since Legend of Korra has stopped, um, a bunch of fans have gone on to make their own series too. So yeah, there's like definitely room for growth. I don't really understand why we do so many remakes and adaptations instead of telling newer stories. There's so many great stories out there to be told, but for some reason we just feel the need to continue making more stories. Like, okay, Into the Spider-Verse was a cool Spider-Man. Like, I really appreciate that because Miles Morales is awesome and I love that story. But like, why do we need so many Spider-Mans? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Spider-Man's been rebooted at least like four or five times in our lifetime. In our lifetime. And we're like, you know, we've only been around for like three decades. How many Spider-Mans can there be? Uh, yeah. Anyways, it's <laughs> my take on Spider-Man. Um, all right. The last one is re-watching things you watched as a child. Mm, that's a tough one for me. Maybe lukewarm. I do think there's a lot of great things that I want to spend time watching now, but I do like a little bit of nostalgia, especially when I just need to remember goodness and simpler times. It's nice to just feel like, hey, let me rewatch this show and relive easier times. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, some movies definitely bring me back like really warm nostalgia. Like every Christmas, I'll, list, I'll watch um, Love Actually and um, Nightmare for Christmas and The Holiday. Although Love Actually just didn't age very well, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sort of like, I'm a lukewarm on this as well, but for different reasons. Um, mainly because, yeah, things just don't age well sometimes. And it kind of like, just with the times, you're like, oh, this actually, I can't believe I watched this. And like, this is like really problematic. Like when I watched, I used to love watching Sex in the City. <laughs> can't believe I watched it as a child, but I loved watching Sex in the City. And when I rewatched it, it was just like, oh, wow, they're like kind of homophobic. And it, it's just like, it just didn't age very well for me. So I'm like, you know, what? maybe I should have just left it back where it belonged and don't bother with it. Some, some also with Friends and Will and Grace. Also, those are some shows I watch. I'm like, you know, probably better when I didn't know more or know better. Yeah. So, And then they're just going to reboot it the way they rebooted Will and Grace. And now they're rebooting Sex in the City. Like the actual Sex in the City or? Yeah, they're making it. Except Samantha won't be part of the reboot. Oh, good for you, Samantha. She was my favorite, though. Yeah. I liked her the best. They're going to have a hard time selling Sex in the City without Samantha. Seriously. Oh. Yeah, and yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, thanks for playing the game. <laughs> um, I guess we can let's get right into what are we sipping? Yes, tell me about this. Smells delicious. So today I have a green tea in in honor of Uncle Iroh. Uncle Iroh's favorite tea is um green tea with jasmine. Um we will not be sipping a jasmine green tea. Personally, for me, I'm a bit of a purist when it comes to like my teas. So if we're talking about herbal teas, like I'm totally fine with mixing, blending, doing all that stuff. But when it comes to like my nice teas, I'm a little bit hesitant to mix it with any other flavors or smells because I really want to get the essence of the tea itself. So the tea that we're drinking is from Drum Mountain and it is called Cloud Mist and it's called cloud mist because it's mainly grown in the shade and the reason why it's grown in the shade um, is it's um, helping to protect it from the sun 
so that it doesn't um, get over like overheated. And what this does is it results in a really high concentration of chlorophyll and nutrients in the leaves. And um, it has like this really like sweet flavor that um, it's just really like interesting because in teas, you don't really think of teas as like being sweet, but I think because it is like really shaded from the sun and really protected that, um, it's like that, that flavor is still preserved. Um, but there is like, you know, a touch of saltiness and a bit of like, uh, baby spinach. And then the finish when you're like done with everything and you can just kind of taste the lingering essence of the tea is kind of like a hazelnut. So it's a super complex tea that um, t- the profile is so different from like your initial sip until like your final um, finish. So um, I really love this tea and um, I got it through a tea supplier that um, I met randomly um, in like in the Marin area. He is like one of the longest like exporters of fine Chinese teas, according to himself. <laughs> so I don't take the fruit with a grain of salt, I guess. But he has like this super extensive collection of teas. And I've been super lucky to like have met him and learned from him. This tea can be pretty difficult to get outside of China because, you know, some of the really nice fine teas that are made, they kind of tend to keep it within their country so that, you know, they don't get a chance to be exported. So if you want to find this tea, you can try to find it at like a specialty like a specialty tea shop or maybe through some online vendors. Um, but yeah, it's like a, one of my favorite teas. I'm almost out of it, which I'm really bummed about, but it just smells so fragrant, um, so sweet, but also very, um, has like a lot of natural mineral like elements to it. And so, yeah, like I said, I chose this tea because, you know, Uncle Iroh always talked about how special a cup of like, warm tea is. And um, I also chose this tea because this one in particular um, is grown in a monastery. So kind of in honor of Aang as well and his airbending, um, airbending tribe. I love that. And as you were describing it, I was just thinking about even just as people, you know, people are like, hey, you know, put things directly, you know, in the sun so it can grow and grow big. But sometimes we need that shade, you know, to keep us from uh, some of those complexities. I, I love that it's grown in the shade and still has this these complexities to it. And I'm I'm getting the hint of you know saltiness, but not <laughs> not so much the the baby spinach. And I would love what are your tips, especially to the listener, on how um, I can like move forward and being able to like get some of these to- tasting notes a bit more. The most important thing is just to really taste it. Take your time. Spend um, you know spend a quiet moment just sipping it, thinking about it, letting allowing yourself to be mindful about the taste that's coming through because I think on you know when we drink coffee sometimes it's like we drink coffee to drink coffee to like get us to power through our day and although tea does have those caffeinated qualities as well I think what makes tea special for me personally is I like to think about where the tea came from I like to think about the farmers that like farmed the leaves the the people who Um, the artisans that like then roast it and roll it to dream up these like beautiful flavor profiles. And I think about, you know, the sun and the mist and the earth that um, really gives like the each individual leaf its flavor. Um, So I think the more you taste and the more time you spend on it, the more you'll be able to begin thinking about tasting notes and all that. But I really don't think that's important. 
I, I think the most important thing is just to drink about drink your tea and enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. It's a but such a poetic of tea and how it comes to be. And so, you know, before we get into our stories today, just kind of like, you know, challenging people to not challenges, encouraging you to, you know, as Vina said, sip your tea this week and enjoy it. Think about the hands that went into making it. Uh, think about the lives that are connected to it, how you're connected to it, how you're drinking it and just have fun creating your own tasting notes. And if you do it, let us know. So I want to introduce our first story today about Avatar The Last Airbender from Joyce. And Joyce is an action producer with a wanderlust spirit and heart for helping people. Her mission in creating My Action Diary is to empower communities serving BIPOC K-12 students while encouraging you to take daily actions for your personal and professional well-being. Really excited for this story today and to interview and talk with Joyce after. Today, I practiced airbending, hugging my knees into my chest and burying my face into my arms. I squeezed my eyes shut. I try to block out the glaring lights of the hospital waiting room. I try to ignore the discomfort of the non-cushioned chair I'm curled up in. I try to push down the anxiety of waiting for my test results to process and the doctor to come and tell me what the plan is. And I'm trying to pretend that I'm Aang from Avatar. Breathing easy, flying free, and playing in the air. Taking deep breaths. I pace my breathing to the beeps from the heart monitor machine. I can hear echoing down the hall next to my waiting room. In for four beeps and out for eight. In for four and out for eight. A nurse calls out for a name I don't recognize. Not me. My attention returns back to my breath. I've Lost count, and when I try again, I'm acutely aware of how shallow my breath feels. I'm not able to breathe in fully or out completely. I'm trying, but it feels like I just can't get enough air, can't get my mind to focus, can't get my body to cooperate. Maybe let's try less counts. I try in for three beeps and out for six. Seems to work a little bit better for now. This time, the voice from the overhead speakers interrupt my thoughts. I feel the familiar flash of panic, the surge of angst. Was that my doctor's name? Is it the results? No, still not me. <laughs> this feels like eternity. But what can I do? What do I do? Breathe? Wait? For things to get better, for someone to tell me what the next step is. Sometimes that's the best we can do, right? But is it enough to exist and breathe and just wait, powerless? I give in to the spiraling questions, spiraling emotions that change at the speed of a thought, switching directions at a moment's notice or no notice at all, like a leaf at the whim of the wind. My thoughts 
slowly spiral back to what I can control, what powers I do have and what I was trying to do. I was reaching for comforts, I was seeking control, and I was practicing my airbending skills. All right, let's do this. Let's embody my inner airbender and give this my best shot. I readjust myself in the waiting room chair. I had forgotten I was still curled in on myself, taking up as little room as possible. As I uncurl, I feel the blood circulating through my legs again. My feet have fallen asleep, and as I place them on the floor, I feel them tingle as they make contact. I wiggle my toes to maximize the tingle, and on an exhale, I practiced bending my breath to my will. In for three beeps, out for six. I let my inhale fill up my lungs and expand my rib cage to take up space, my space. And on the exhale, I try to relax my shoulders and ease some of the tension I've been holding in my neck. I've got this. With each breath, I allow myself to grow heavy, to give into gravity, and relax my burdens into my chair. Let this piece of furniture carry all of my anxieties and uncertainties, at least for now, and just focused on breathing. After a few moments, I gently blinked my eyes open. Nothing has changed, really. I'm still in the hospital, still waiting in this waiting room, and my thoughts are starting to spiral with all the same questions again. But for a few breaths, for a few moments, I couldn't hear the beeping of the heart monitors. I didn't notice the harsh voices over the loudspeakers. I wasn't overwhelmed by all that was going on in and around me. And I was able to breathe like an airbender. Joyce, it's so great to have you with us today. That piece was meditative, it was calm, it was reflective. All the things that we'd love to say about airbenders in general. So it's great to just feel that coming out of the pages and from your voice of your piece. And for me, Avatar has been so interesting because I actually watched it several years ago with my younger brother and my sister, and we loved it. But I would talk about it at school and other places, and people would be like, what are you talking about? And so I was like, okay, I guess no one's watching this. It's just me. Uh, and then, of course, I didn't want to be associated with the movie that came out. I stopped talking about it. But then in 2020, it seemed like everyone was watching Avatar The Last Airbender. And so I'd love to hear a bit more about, like, how was the experience of watching Avatar and feeling that joy of watching it during this pandemic? And why did you choose to watch it? Yeah, so for me, I remember, like, some of my earliest memories about watching the show was that, like, it would just be on. Um, sometimes it would just be like a random rerun that's on in the background and we'd be doing chores in the house. 
Um, but I like very distinctly remember Appa and like really wanting to like ride a flying bison. And that was like a childhood dream of mine. Um, but like having that just kind of like in my childhood memories. And then, so when the pandemic came in and, you know, everybody was turning towards our um, Netflix and our streaming shows. And I was like, okay, I really want something that reminded me of like the joys that I had of childhood, but I was still able to like put on the background and do my chores and, you know, do the laundry, do the, the dishes and get the stuff done that I needed to do. And so I was like, okay, you know, I could just put on um, some of the older cartoons that I used to watch on. Um, so I was cycling through a couple different ones and then I did come back to Avatar and then just watching it, I think during the pandemic um, and kind of my work and experiences up to this moment, kind of, it just brought it full circle in terms of being able to find what it is that you want to achieve in order to help you get towards the goals that you're working towards. And so it definitely became more than just like a background noise from my childhood that had like a positive association to actually having a deeper and more philosophical meaning that I was really growing to enjoy. So watching it, rewatching it now as an adult and kind of watching the whole series as it progresses, um, it really helped me to kind of connect with all of the different elements that are in play within my own body. Um, so some self-reflection and some just uh, processes that I was reviewing about, you know, myself and where I wanted to go and what the future might hold. Um, but also on a more um, just fun level, uh, because I do get to watch, um, you know, all these characters develop and go on these fun adventures um, and really push the boundaries of what their limitations were, right? Like working with perhaps not all of the tools at your disposal or working with societal limitations that um, the people around you has put on you. And so using that and connecting that with some of the personal experiences that I had gone through um, really led to kind of the, the production of this piece. Beautiful. I love how you talk about all these various elements and you know, like the show says, it's a lot about balance as well. Like you need all these elements to be in balance to achieve that sense of harmony. Um, I have a confession to make, actually. It seems like y'all watched Avatar before it became this like 2020 um, buzz, but I actually didn't watch it until 2020. And I'm a little jealous that, you know, you all get to see the, how it like changed for, um, for y'all like during when you were young and to now when we're adults. It was definitely playing in the background when my like cousins and brothers were watching it, but I was like, I'm too old and mature for this. And so now I'm watching it and like trying to get them to discuss it with me. And they're like, you know, this is so like 10 years ago, you're really behind. Um, I wanna get, spe uh, get specific on one element, air, and how that relates to your piece. What I really loved about it is how you took this concept of airbending and turned it into something real. Like I never would have thought in the world that, you know, we could do something like airbending, but I loved how you used it in your piece and wove it through. So could you tell us the thought process and how you linked this element um, with your experience of being in, in a hospital? Yeah, so um, in some of my professional experiences, I got to work with a lot of under-resourced and um, 
just overwhelmed students, parents, teachers. Um, and part of the work that I was doing was helping to deliver well-being practices that they could use instantly, whether it's to de-escalate a situation that's happening right then and there, or um, to kind of de-stress after just a long work week of grading papers nonstop and you know you have the next deadline due and you have multiple pressures and different competing priorities and so in kind of researching and digging into the tools that we have accessible to us um, because it's it needs to be as widely accessible as possible we're working with under-resourced um, populations after all so in looking for these, one of the ones tools that I found that works the best and it's free and you have it within your control at all times is your breath. Um, and the more research that I did into it, the more books, articles, um, and science backed data like behind it, the more I understood that this is a empowering tool um, that a lot of students, especially if they're younger and they feel like a lot of things are out of their control, that this is something that they absolutely have control of, right? Like they can at any moment say, I'm gonna take a deep breath and I have the agency to do that because I have control of my breath. Um, so being able to kind of use that element to then get yourself into a state where you can reflect and think and then plan what your next step is. Um, I think it's extremely empowering and it's also able to kind of allow yourself to assess what is happening in the moment right now as we're talking. Um, so yeah, so some parts of my piece, I really wanted to embody that moment where, okay, like you're listening to a podcast, but have you taken a moment to breathe today? And if, my piece kind of allows you to have that moment for that moment, then awesome. Um, because a lot of the people I work with, students, teachers, parents, like especially now when all of our time schedule seems to kind of flow and meld together, um, it's difficult to find that time for ourselves to just sit and take a breath and breathe and be with ourselves and our breath. Um, but it's so necessary for our nervous system and it's so crucial to, you know, being able to rebalance and reset ourselves for ourselves. Yeah, and what I love so much about your piece is this juxtaposition. It's, you know, your voice is so calming, it's so meditative, but we're in a hospital. And as someone who spent a lot of time in the hospital last year, it's like the, the hospital is one of the most stressful places I've, you could ever be, you know, it's, it's not a place that would incite calm and um, in peace, but just listening to your piece and thinking about the exercises and all that, it was, I, I loved how it was so like kind of in combat with each other. So um, in choosing this hospital setting, that was intentional in that this is a time where a lot of tension and anxiety and a lot of control we feel like is taken away. Um, but if we, have the time to take a moment and to assess, we can understand that this is a system and how we can navigate and move forward and get the goals and achieve the outcomes that we want to reach within the system. For people who are listening or curious about like, where do I start with that? Like what advice would you give a good place to start with all of this? Um, honestly, I 
I think a great place to start is just with yourself. Like take a moment out and take a couple breaths and wonder about like, what is my natural breathing rhythm? Um, because when I first started like paying attention to my breath, um, it was under guided uh, practice. So I was following like an app or a tool. Um, but just after that was completed, I think what really drew me to it is just understanding that like once I start paying attention to my breath, I actually change it. And so in trying to find what my normal breath is, um, I kind of made that just like a self-exploration exercise. And so I would say the best place to start is yourself. And if you feel like you need more guidance, more instruction, there's a plethora of work out there um, that great leaders have done in that realm. Or if you feel like you're more of the science and data minded, you wanna see the stats and you wanna see the impact. Um, there's a lot of science and research being done in that area as well. Um, so yeah, I would definitely highly recommend for you to just start with yourself, assess what you need, and then get the tools that you need to be able to hold on to your sense of self-efficacy and well-being, especially during these times. Speaking of breathing patterns, how would you describe yours? Um, I would describe mine as like kind of shallow, like I take a shallow inhale and a fast exhale, and then there seems to be a long pause between before my next inhale. So it's, it's kind of weird, um, but when I do like practice deep breathing, I become more conscious that I'm taking such shallow breaths, and I try to take deeper and more fuller breaths. Um, and like, it's pretty instant uh, for you to kind of like notice your energy levels can be affected by that. So if you're taking deeper inhales, you're getting more oxygen in and you're able to um, feel more energized. Um, yeah, again, I would definitely highly recommend just going online and doing some research. Um, there's a lot of information out there, different breathing exercises that you can do. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm a deep inhale, slow exhale. I'm like a shallow inhale. I wish I inhaled like more deeply, but that's what I'm like intentional about like pausing and be like, okay, deep breath because I'm not doing that naturally. Yeah, I definitely relate to that one as well because um, I do tend to notice that like I have shallower breaths and there's a lot of moments, especially during like high stress when I'm trying to push out like 10 emails at the same time and I can't. Um, and I have to remind myself like, I need to take a breath because we're running out of breath right now. We're yeah, not so. actually moving. <laughs> I feel you. As we're talking about it, I'm like, did I breathe? Am I breathing right now? <laughs> we're all asking ourselves that. Are we breathing? <laughs> yeah, that's like stressing me out. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not breathing. But yeah. No, and another thing I noticed is I also grind my teeth. Um, and it's actually like gotten so bad that I need to get a night guard for it. And I have already gotten one, but. Um, it's still kind of like the erosion and wear between my teeth because that I grind. Um, yeah. So that's how I know, like, I've definitely been stressed and I need to take action and do something about it. I also have a very sexy night guard to protect myself from grinding. All right. Well, um, we, I have one last fun question for, for everyone. Based on your personality, which nation do you think you would want to be a part of and why? Uh, 
I actually thought about this one for a long time because um, like when I first started rewatching it, I was like, oh, you know, I love the water tribe. I love the healing aspect of it. Oh, I don't know if that was a spoiler alert. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I love all of the different elements of um, the water tribe and how uh, Katara's character developed and grew. And she wasn't just, you know, a girl in the, in the, I think the Disney princess sense, it was more like she could do things. She was part of the fight and she stood on her own ground. Um, and, you know, the, the way that her character developed, I think really drew me to the water tribe. And I did really like the elements, the way that water itself kind of yields itself to the shape of whatever the container is, but still can pierce like ice and be malleable and adaptive and still hurt when it counted, um, when it was needed. Um, but also had those healing properties within it. So I really gravitated towards that. Um, however, I feel like the more I read about the air element and the more I became, I guess, less fearful of it. So I, I do um, kind of identify as a Gemini and that's an air sign. And so it has that kind of um, for me, like the negative flighty connotation where like you're not very serious and, you know, you just kind of float around, but then you always have the chance to float away. And so because of that, I feel like there was a sort of sense of disconnect for me in that element um, because of that connotation. Uh, but the more I watched Avatar, the more I kind of was more drawn to the freedom that that provided as opposed to fearing it. Um, and I think that came at a really great time in terms of my personal life with the onset of COVID is just learning to be able to elevate myself above the fear. Um, and also when they were going through like the seven chakras to really understand like what were some of my barriers and blockages that I was holding onto. And, but more importantly, like why was I holding onto that and how do I let it go so that I'm able to, you know, still utilize those learnings um, but use it to support me and build me towards the future that I actually want to grow up into. Nice. I love that. You have such a strong story. I was thinking, I was like, I was probably born in the Fire Nation and had to escape and probably made friends in the water, you know, nation and lived on the kind of like nomad and built my own home and then started a fifth tribe that probably was invaded by the others, uh, but then we're able to really go underground and start a revolution. Uh, and our revolution is still ongoing. That's my story in my mind. How about you, Vina? I love that you have a full backstory. I, I didn't have enough time to think of such an elaborate scheme uh, or story. Um, I think I'd probably be in the water nation. I'm such a water sign. Like I'm a Pisces and then I'm a Scorpio rising and falling. Yes. Water signs. Water signs. <laughs> I'm all in the feels. I love being around water. Uh, I'm definitely like when I was watching the, the series, I'm definitely a Katara, like all the, all the traits, like all the annoying things about Katara. That was me. Um, like I'll watch it. And my cousins are like, oh yeah, you're totally Katara. And it's, it's sad because I actually would like Toph is the character I aspire to be like someone who's fearless, who's kind of like, I don't care. I'm cool. I'm gonna do things my way. I'm definitely a Katara, like super naggy, but caring and nurturing, um, but also very sensitive. 
So yeah, I think Water Nation for sure. Between the Southern and Water, Southern and Northern, that's kind of challenging. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where I fall in that yet, but I'll have to think about it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I definitely relate to um, one of the later characters in the in the 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 other season. But, oh my God, I can't think of her. Oh, Legend of Korra. Yeah, Korra. There we go. So in the Korra series, I think I, I definitely relate to like one of the the younger children, Airbenders, um, from there. Yeah, and I feel like that 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 series might help you kind of decide um, north or south that you would, yeah, go towards. <laughs> definitely, definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Joyce, for coming on and talking to us, and thank you so much about your piece. Um, we'll have to get back to you on our breathing patterns and, you know, how that progresses. Yeah. I'll be thinking about it. Yes. Thank you, Joyce. To to know as well. Cool. All right. Well, we'll talk to you soon. So our second story today uh, came as a surprise to us. We put out a call for stories about Avatar The Last Airbender and our next author, Shruti, wrote about Legend of Korra and just reminded us that like sometimes one thing leads to another and we're really excited to hear Shruti's story and to talk to her after. Shruti is currently a grad student studying public health and business. There are moments when I'm overcome with amorphous feelings an onslaught of hard-to-place emotions that I don't fully understand at present, but spend time unpacking afterwards. That happened to me recently when I watched the final scene of one of my favorite TV shows just last month, The Legend of Korra. First off, let me start by saying that I recognize I'm cheating a little here. The prompt technically asked for reflections on Avatar, The Last Airbender, a show that I also rewatched in the midst of self-isolation a show that invokes nostalgia for the seemingly simpler pandemic-free times of millennial childhoods. A show that is beautifully written and produced with mature themes, a deep respect and appreciation for Asian cultures, and highly relatable characters. Real talk, who else had a major crush on moody, brooding Prince Zuko? As much as I adore The Last Airbender, I want to focus on its less well-known spin-off, Korra. This show premiered during a particularly tumultuous and transformative period of my life, in my late teens and early college years when I was questioning every aspect of my identity and place in the world. A time where I felt lost, unsure of myself, unsuccessfully confronting and unpacking the emotional damage I had slowly accumulated throughout my life. It was through this time that I discovered myself in Korra the show with the fiery protagonist who is responsible for restoring balance to the world as the avatar, master of all elements, while being a teenager. I could talk about how the show cleverly discussed sociopolitical themes and dilemmas, grappling with ideas of class privilege and equality, of anarchy and balance. I could discuss the nuanced and complex antagonists, the charismatic Amon, Unalak and his religious fervor, the sheer magnetism of Zahir, and Kuvira's steadfast conviction. I could talk about the exquisitely animated story of Juan and Rava, the origins of the Avatar cycle. And of course, I could talk about how the show paid homage to its predecessor, including little nuggets for fans to savor over, like Zuko's persistent awkwardness. 
I could tell you that these are the reasons why I love the show. But the truth is that I resonate so deeply with the show because of Cora, her character, her journey, and all that she represents. I see myself in her. Impulsive, stubborn, dark-skinned, queer, privileged in so many ways, but struggling to find my place in the world. And on the flip side, when I first watched the show, I saw things in her that I felt I could never see in myself. The bravery, the strength, the resilience. The scenes that affected me the most took place in book four, when Cora was struggling to recover from her traumatic experience being poisoned with mercury. The poison still within Cora felt like my own, holding us both down, fueling insecurities and feelings of inadequacy and helplessness. The moment I mentioned earlier on the onslaught of hard-to-place emotions happened when I watched the last scene of the show. I remember it vividly. Cora enveloped in warm, golden light as she gazes lovingly into the eyes of Asami, hand in hand as they enter into the spirit portal, accompanied by the tranquil tones of a beautiful Guzang and Erhu melody. Watching this particular scene years later, I was finally able to unpack the onslaught of emotions I felt and continue to feel. Nostalgia and pride over queer representation were definitely part of it, but there was more. I had mentioned how I was both very much like Cora, yet unlike her in many ways. Cora had removed the poison from her body, had literally taken steps towards the light, but it felt as though I had not moved at all still weighed down by my own poison, those feelings of inadequacy and helplessness and self-doubt. More than anything, that finale felt like I was seeing a version of myself, but in the future. And I don't mean walking into the light as a metaphor for death, but a version of myself with that resilience, love, and hope, sure of my place in the world. I initially could not see myself as brave as Cora, but I've come to realize that I may have more in common with her than I initially thought. Watching that last scene again, in my mid-twenties, I now know that existing as myself, as I am currently, in spaces that were never meant for me, is an act of bravery itself. I may not have completely shed my own mercury poison, but I am slowly getting there. Thanks, Ruthie, so much for your piece, and thanks for being with us here today. I love that you deviated from the prompt. Uh, we had originally come up with a prompt because I had I had just seen Avatar for the first time, and I was talking to Odelia nonstop about it, and so she was like, you should just suggest Avatar as a theme. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And at that point, Legend of Korra had not gone on Netflix yet, so I didn't really know about it, but people were just like saying all this like, terrible stuff about it you know like oh you shouldn't watch it it's not good blah 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 but listening to your piece made me so excited to watch it and I'm really glad that I I gave it a shot it's a really wonderful series but on that note I'd love to hear do you ever hide the fact that you like Legend of Korra more than Avatar the last airbender so I guess I want to preface this by saying I don't think I like one show over the other. I think I've been asked this multiple times, but 
both shows are very different um, and I watch them at very different stages of my life. Um, and I think I mentioned this in, in my piece, but um, so I watched Avatar The Last Airbender when it first came out. And I think I was around like, I don't know, nine, 10, 11, same age as Aang, Katara and Sokka. And um, so it was very much like childhood nostalgia, uh, very much like um, a great like children's show. Um, and then I watched Korra at a very different stage of my life. And so the, the two shows are very different to me. And so um, I am pretty honest with most people when I say that I think they're very different and I don't like to compare them necessarily because, because of how different they are. Um, and they both resonate with me um, at different different stages of my life and I will openly express my love for both of them. Um, I have gotten a little bit of pushback for, for people on Korra because it is different from the Avatar The Last Airbender. So, and I understand why, but I, especially books three and four, I think um, for Korra is on a whole nother level without going into too many spoilers. Um, and I highly recommend people watch it. I very much appreciate your diplomatic answer. I also, I appreciate, I appreciate that you aren't going to force yourself into these binaries that, you know, that they serve different purposes in your life. And, and that's what's so difficult in terms of when people want you to compare TV shows or anything that you love in life. It's like they each have a place. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think Cora is different um, as a character from Aang. And I, I think um, both characters are super well developed and the plot lines are great in both shows. And so I will say that I do think the artwork is better in Korra just because the creators probably had a little bit more time to develop um, their skills. So that's the one difference, the one thing I think Korra does like better. Nice. Well, I like to consider myself an OG Avatar The Last Airbender watcher, but I've actually only seen maybe one or two episodes of Legend of Korra. So as someone who's not that familiar with it, I would love for you to just give me a 30 second pitch on why I should give it a chance. Like, why should I watch it? 30 seconds. Um, Okay, so I think there are a few reasons to watch the show. One, I think it does an incredible job of just building on the world that um, you came to love in The Last Airbender. And it's also set like kind of like in industrial times or you're seeing the industrial revolution. And it's so fascinating to see like, you know, 1920s, 30s influence in like Korra um, and see like the world of bending in that way. Uh, two, I think Korra does a really good job of exploring different themes and different um, socio-political context. Um, like each season is kind of talking about a different facet of um, politics, like anarchy and like uh, equality, um, fascism. And so I think it's like pretty fascinating in um, that context too. And then three, you get to see like older versions of like some of your fa- favorite characters from The Last Airbender, like um, Zuko and Katara. And I think that's always really nice to see too. Um, so those are the three reasons I'd say watch Leg- Legend of Korra. Okay, okay. I'll take this all into consideration. It's a pretty good pitch. Yeah, I'd love seeing all the all the characters again, like seeing Zuko in all his gloomy glory was really <laughs> this is so fun. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of like all the political themes that were explored, I I, I really get fascinated by the villains. And I think Legend of Korra had really compelling villains. Like I think 
in Avatar The Last Airbender, like you're kind of talking about the Fire Lord mostly um, the entire time. But in Legend of Korra, there's like different arcs, different stories, and each villain kind of has their own like story and reason why, and I love their backstory. So out of all of those villains, who would you say was the most compelling to you? Are we talking like Killmonger level, like we care about the villains? Uh, so the most compelling villain to me is probably Zaheer from book three. Um, maybe some similarities there between him and Killmonger. But I think Zaheer had such an interesting narrative about like an interesting backstory and motivation about um, why he wanted to remove the Avatar from the world. Um, and I also think he challenged Korra in ways that her previous encounters didn't or previous encounters with other villains didn't. Um, and so I think he was the most compelling character and he was the one who actually succeeded in taking away something from her. And, um, and I think as a result that leads on to book four, where she has such a struggle to recover from her traumatic experience with Zaheer. So I definitely found him to be the most fascinating and compelling villain. Speaking of Zaheer and speaking of, um, where you sort of mention him in your piece, it's the, the part where you talk about your insecurities. So what's an insecurity that you've had to work through recently? Yeah. Um, I would say that this is probably something I've been struggling with for a good portion of my life. Um, and I think I mentioned this in the piece as well. And so it's an insecurity I'm still working on is the idea of what it means to be brave. I sometimes don't consider myself a very brave person. And I, as a result, feel like I don't, I'm risk averse. And that's something that I don't necessarily always like about myself or my personality. And so I think there are times when, uh, especially in this past year, where I've been trying to force myself to take more risks, both like professionally, personally, romantically. Um, and so I've been working on that. And I think one of the biggest risks I took was uh, moving to the um, East Coast uh, for two years. Um, and as a native Californian, uh, maybe some folks from New England might not quite understand, but I think it's a big risk going from you know a place with like warm weather to a place that where I have to deal with snow all the time. So uh, among other things, that's something that I've been working on, um, especially in this past year. Yeah, I've lived in both, um, you know, the Boston area and the Bay Area. I would say they're very different and it is very brave um, move for you to make. <laughs> I would you. love to hear, if you don't mind sharing, like what's one thing that you're proud of that, um, you know, that you took a, a risk in beyond uh, the move, like uh, something else in your professional or romantic life? Um, I think uh, this this actually happened a few weeks ago, uh, but I have a very intense stage fright, um, but I do like music and I love playing my guitar and singing. And so I finally corralled myself with like two of my friends to do um, kind of like a Instagram live concert, like mini concert. Um, and that went live to my entire kind of grad school program. That's um, so exciting. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like, kind of uh, it's surreal that I ended up doing that but I have stage fright and it was a very difficult thing for me to do um or maybe not so difficult because it felt like I was singing to my phone um instead of in front of an audience <laughs> so maybe a little bit um easier but that is that's like one other example I'd say and something that I've been trying to push myself to do to take more risks to do things that make me afraid so Odelia have that. you have you taken a risk recently Ooh, taking a risk recently. 
Uh, I took a risk of leaving a bad living situation recently in August. You know, there's no reason I couldn't have, you know, stayed there, but I really, you know, wanted uh, to be in an environment that would be healthier for me where I could grow, um, where I could be around people who would really care for me, especially in light of the, the pandemic. So it was definitely a risk moving in the pandemic. Uh, you know, moving in a, an area, it's like still Oakland, but a different part of Oakland, you know, with a roommate I didn't really know. And, uh, but it's been a really great risk that I took. I'm very, very happy. And I, I think that people who know me um, can see that, uh, that my health is just like better overall than where it was in the summer. How about you, Vina? Um, I, Shruti, I identify with you so much because I am so risk averse, like risk averse to the max. Um, um, and yeah, that's why I loved about Cora because I felt like she was so brave and that was really inspiring to me. Uh, a risk I probably took. So at the beginning of this year, I went to Vietnam for three months and, uh, my family is from Vietnam. Um, I was actually made in Vietnam, but born in the U S uh, because my mom didn't know she was pregnant with me when she made the journey out here to the U.S. And so I really wanted to go back to my homeland to learn the language, to learn how to read and write in Vietnamese. I could always speak, but I couldn't read or write. And so I just wanted to go back and like rediscover, you know, the, the home my family left behind. And it was risky in that, you know, I quit my job. I just picked up and left for a little bit, but it was like probably the best thing I did this year. And I'm so glad that I had this like really lovely memory of being there. Yeah, Vina and I were going to meet up because I was in Thailand very briefly for uh, work. And we always think and joke a little bit about like, oh, remember when we thought it wasn't safe to see each other because there were like 10 COVID cases. <laughs> and look at us now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of the things, Truthy, that I love about your piece is this last line where you say, more than anything, that finale felt like I was seeing a version of myself, but in the future. So what's the version you see of yourself in the future now? And what would you want to tell yourself in the future about who you were in this year in 2020? I think the version of myself uh, that I saw, like maybe in the future um, and maybe on the show in Cora was, you know, just someone who's unapologetically themselves. Uh, so just being my authentic self, um, not afraid to be genuine and show who I am, not afraid to take risks, um, not afraid to just be brave and be who I am, be vulnerable and um, just have a place in the world. Um, that is, I think, where I see myself in the future. And I think I'm on that journey and I feel like I've made a lot of progress towards that goal. Um, and I know we talked about taking risks. Um, and so that's something that, you know, hopefully my current version of me, like in 2020, um, I, I hope that I can like look back and uh, see myself progressing, see myself being more brave, being taking risks, doing things that make me uncomfortable and hopefully getting to a point where I feel good about that and good about who I am. Yeah. And that, that's the version of, of myself that I see in the future. <laughs> that's beautiful. Thank you. For folks who are also perhaps struggling with, you know, being brave or taking risks, what piece of advice or what kind of practice would you advise them on to help them overcome that? I think, um, and this might honestly be sometimes the opposite because I think the 
initial advice that I would give to someone is like, you know, do something that makes you uncomfortable. But I think building on that is um, honestly showing yourself some self-compassion because sometimes it's really hard to just take risks all the time and push yourself all the time and like, you know, constantly try to be better. And I think that leads to exhaustion like pretty quickly. So yeah, do things that you might not normally do, but also just be very forgiving of yourself, um, show some self-compassion and be patient with yourself. Yeah, I think self-compassion is so important. And just even thinking about this entire year is a year of discomfort Mm -hmm. in so many ways for people. And it's important for us to just like sit back and just like take deep breaths, listen to our breathing and just honor the ways that we have shown up in brave new ways in a type of year that we never thought that we would live through. Yeah, that's exactly correct. And uh, I have a line like this in my piece, but something that I realized is that, you know, just existing sometimes can just be an act of bravery. I feel that so much. (laughs) This morning I woke up and I said, existing is so exhausting. (laughs) It's not exactly (laughs) your, it's not exactly, yours is a much more poetic message and mine's a little bit more nihilistic, but yeah, I feel you. I think this year, especially we should just really give ourselves like the grace and the self-compassion for waking up every morning and trying our very best. Exactly. And it's not going to be just this year. I mean, you know, a lot of people are like, I can't wait till 2020 is over. This year has been so terrible. And it's like, y'all are going to wake up on January 1st, 2021. And (laughs) you're going to still need the same energy to keep going. So I'm holding out for summer 2021. No, I plan on interviewing January 2021 before it gets here to be like, (laughs) (laughs) what what are you up to? Don't bring your nonsense here. We're over it. <laughs> I like that idea of like, if you had to interview uh, January 2021, what questions would you ask it? That's pretty good. Shruti, do you have any questions that you would ask January 2021? Oh, uh, that's a hard one, I guess. Um, the first thing I can think of is, uh, is it okay not to have New Year's resolutions? Like, I feel like I definitely won't be able to keep them in January, 2021. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I asked January 20, like 2000 that question and we have uh, <laughs> proceeded without them. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the last time I had a New Year's resolution. I like having themes though, like a theme to live by. Although I never remember my mm. themes by the end of the year. I have a birthday theme every year. Last year's theme was taking risks. Um, Mm. And I think this one is about just, um, yeah, making more time for rest. I like that. I like the birthday theme. I feel like that you're probably able to keep to that more than a New Year's resolution, unless your birthday is January 1st. Um. (laughs) It'd be kind of fun if we came up with a theme. (laughs) For 2021? Yeah, 2021, what's Mm. your theme? The, the year of rest I like and rejuvenation. Um, mine is the year of balance. So being able to make sure that I show self-compassion, make time for self-care, whereas still pursuing my professional goals. I like that. I think, I think my theme would be the year of silly. So I've, I've, I grew up as like one of the oldest cousins. So I was always the nagger, the reprimander, the in-between between the adults and the kids. So I've always been very like kind of serious. 
And so I'd like to, especially now that I just turned 30, to be a little bit more silly and be more playful, allow my inner child to come out, wreak some havoc, cause some chaos, throw some tantrums. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Let's, let's. <laughs> I am so there for all of your chaos and your ways that we will wreak havoc on 2021. Yeah. Also, my colors for 2021 are gold and cream. If anyone would like to purchase anything and send them my <laughs> Gold and cream. Oh, I love it. That's beautiful. That's a good color. That's a good set. I, have any col- I don't have any colors yet. Shruti, do you have any colors in mind? I'm thinking of like a dark green just because I feel like I miss being outside right now. So I feel like I, I'm just trying to look for some green right now. I hope 2021 will be more green, I guess. Yeah, especially where you are. It's probably snowing now, right? Not not snowing, but it's still very oh. cold. Oh, yeah, sounds terrible. It's like cold, but no snow. It's like, what's the point? Exactly. Yeah, I feel like it's so much better <laughs> when there is snow, right? Yeah, yeah. So. At least there's a reason to suffer through. I'm, yeah. Full disclosure, everybody. I'm... a born and raised Southern California girl. So forgive me for my ignorance on snow and the cold weather. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much, Ruthie, for being here. Um, had such a fun time talking to you and just reliving this series and you know, linking it to a lot of deeper and more important themes, but um, always so great to, to chat with you. And I hope you know, we can talk again in 2021 and check up on each other's themes. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I'm going to go watch now. And next time we chat, we'll chat about the real episodes. (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Well, it looks like we're on our last sip, Odelia. You know, this this moment I always dread because that means we gotta we gotta end the episode. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep sipping my tea all day long. That's good. You know, um, another tip is you can continue sipping your tea all day long and not get a huge crash. Like I can't drink coffee after four o'clock or else I'm not sleeping. So tea has been, you know, a a nice constant source for me. Um, But yeah, I just want to recap really quickly uh, of what we heard today. I'm just, I feel so fortunate and so grateful to the amazing storytellers that came our way I was just so moved by their stories and they took it in directions that I would have never expected. But yeah, some key themes I'd love for us to just recap on and reflect on is that we need to take a risk, take care of ourselves, and in the end, always bring ourselves back to our breath. So to close, we just like to invite you to take the biggest breath you've taken all day. So let's, you ready? Odelia, we'll do it together. Yes. And whisper to yourself, I'm awesome like Appa. I'm awesome like Appa. Awesome. Well, I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to TN Transitions, brewing good stories down to the very last drop.